Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome back. I'm Ken Baer, pastor at Faith Dialogue. And we are in a sermon series today called Unstoppable. Uh, It's based on the New Testament book of the Acts of the Apostles. And today we're starting in chapter 15. And we'll be back in Jerusalem today. uh, And we'll meet up with Peter and James, the Lord's brother. So we're at that point of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. uh, As they have just concluded uh, their first missionary journey. It began in Antioch. Uh, which is in Syria, somewhere around 46 or 47 AD, uh, and they were on the road likely for a little over a year. Now, we saw a pattern in the last few weeks as we've traveled with Paul and Barnabas, and, and the pattern was there was a response to the gospel followed by rejection, followed by a revival. Uh, there was a man who was completely lame from birth, and he was healed by the Apostle Paul in Lystra. And there the citizens decided that Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods and they were ready to sacrifice an ox to them. You know, many came to to Jesus. Uh, However, the Jews came in, uh, had come up from Antioch um, and turned the people against Paul. And actually Paul was stoned, Uh, but that wasn't the end. Uh, Paul actually was revived um, and, uh, and walked back into the city. So Paul is still around. Um, in fact, he ended up with Barnabas in Derby. Then from Derby, they make their way all the way back to Antioch, going along the way and strengthening the churches, strengthening the, the, uh, the disciples that they had, had that made probably within the last year, uh, appointing elders in the churches for continuity purposes. And the church, pr- these churches, these Gentile churches, prospered and and they grew. However, as soon as Paul and Barnabas uh, give the good report of how God had been glorified and how many of the Gentiles had come to the Lord through them and God had opened the door to the Gentiles, uh, there was uh, some controversy again. You know, these these Jews, we're going to call them Judaizers, they're probably just a number of misguided Uh, Jewish believers, probably coming from uh, as a Pharisee background or very, very strong um, um, uh, proponent of the law of Moses. Uh, And either way, they're misguided. Uh, And it was one thing when the Jewish, when the Gentile conversions were were one and two, like Cornelius that we saw back in in chapter uh, 13, I believe it is. Um, When the Jews greatly outnumbered the Gentiles, it was fine to have a few Gentiles around. However, Paul and Barnabas are are having great success in in these Gentile towns. And many, many Gentiles are coming to the Lord. And these these churches that they're starting are are primarily Gentile. and these Gentiles have, have very little knowledge of the Jewish traditions or their laws and their ceremonies. You see, the big de- debate today uh, is whether these Gentiles could be brought into faith without also becoming Jews. And that means primarily but not exclusively uh, circumcision. That would be the, the debate. And we'll see today 
how Paul, Barnabas, and the apostles settled this dispute. It's, it's, it's great. This is actually called the Council at Jerusalem or the Jerusalem Council. Remember, this is, a, this is a major turning point for the church, for the early church. Paul's leadership is, is being challenged uh, in Antioch, and he's going to have to go back to Jerusalem and be able to get the support of the apostles there to be able to continue his teaching. Uh, again, this, this moment is, is a turning point. From this moment on, the church will, quite frankly, never, never be the same again. We'll see the apostle Peter making his his final appearance in the book of Acts. From this chapter on, it's Paul who's the apostle to the Gentiles. That'll be the focus of the rest of the book of Acts. Paul would later write that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. It says, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. That's in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 6. Paul has much to say actually about the future of both the Jews and the Gentiles in his writings. And we'll get to some of those in our future weeks. Today our focus will be on what, again, we call the Council of Jerusalem or the Jerusalem Council. And we'll begin in Acts 15, verse 1. It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Notice it says that there were certain men that came down from Judea. Uh, when the text says Judea, we can likely assume this is, this is Jerusalem, or at least close to Jerusalem. There, there were many Jewish believers in Antioch that had rejoiced when Paul and Barnabas had returned from their missionary journey and had told them about the signs and the wonders and the amazing things that God was doing among the Gentile believers. Uh, God had provided success. And the success meant that there were many, many Gentiles that had come to believe in, in Jesus Christ. However, in Antioch, Pisidia, in Iconium and Lystra, they had been harassed by the Jews. Uh, initially, it was the Jews that did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But now we're seeing some of the Jews harass Paul and Barnabas because of the teaching, because of the gospel and because that they were preaching that these Gentiles could be full members with the rest of the Jews in the body of Christ without first becoming circumcised. The, the word of Paul's exploits among the Gentiles had obviously gotten back to Jerusalem. And here we see that certain men decided to take it upon themselves to correct what they believe was an error in the teaching of Paul. In essence, they were calling it heresy. Scripture says these certain men came to Antioch, and the apostle, which is the Apostle Paul's home church, and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, these Jewish Christians that believe this are often called Judaizers, and they came to the congregation in Antioch and taught these Gentiles, these new believers, that had become Christians, uh, that they needed to be Jews as well. 
And here's the point, is that they weren't going to stop just at circumcision. They wanted them to embrace all of the law of Moses, uh, and circumcision being a, a big part of it. Now, these Jews were accustomed to thinking that they were God's chosen people. And it was very difficult for some of the Jews uh, to accept these, these, uh, these Gentiles uh, as uh, full members of the church. Um, by the nature, by, by them being non-Jewish, it meant that they were in, inferior to the Jews. This is just how they, they thought. Uh, this is exactly how they grew up. Um, and it was difficult for them to consider these, these Gentiles as, as co-equals, um, especially without first embracing the, the law of Moses. You know, realizing, realize that by teaching the, these Gentiles that they had to be circumcised, and of course we're just talking about the men, and embrace the law of Moses, they're also rejecting, they're rejecting the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Uh, their, their teaching and their right to be able to teach and to consider themselves to be, to be apostles, to be leaders. The scripture says, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no dissension and dispute with them. Uh, now, this is a literary term, this idea of no small dispute. It's, a, it's an understatement, and it's, it, it's very common in the, in the Greek. Uh, this, was, this was a huge dispute. Uh, I'm sure there were very angry words that were, were, <laughs> had been exchanged between these Judaizers and then Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas had founded churches among the, the Gentiles. And, and they, without bringing these Gentiles under the law of Moses, they taught Jesus. Uh, they taught the grace and mercy of God, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and, and the death of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of, of sin. Uh, by their teaching, these certain men from Judea had, had passed a negative judgment on the gospel of Paul and Barnabas and all of their missionary endeavors. Uh, on the recent missionary journey, they preached to the Jews as well as to the Gentiles. They, they preached the same message. And the, 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 the Acts of the Apostles says that they had great success among the Gentiles. In Acts 13, for example, they were in Antioch, Pisidia, and in verse 38 and 39, Paul says that it was in Jesus that they would receive, these are the Gentiles as well as the Jews, in Jesus they would receive forgiveness for their sins, and it says, through him everyone, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You see, Paul is making it very, very clear that it's not Judaism plus Jesus. It's, it's Jesus alone. And Paul, of course, is, is correct, and we know that. If the law could have set the people free from this law of sin and death, there would have been no need. There would have been no need for Jesus to come. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. He said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And you see, here's the thing. If there was any other way, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. If the law of Moses had been, inad had been adequate rather than inadequate, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. Now, what we're seeing is these Judaizers, it's not so much just theology. They're actually very jealous of the Gentiles. And we could assume as well that these 
believers, in quotes, that had come from Jerusalem, from Judea, had not really fully embraced the gospel, that Jesus was the, the Savior of the world. And it was through the death of Jesus, uniquely, that their sin had been forgiven. This dispute, the elders in Antioch knew had to be settled. And Paul and Barnabas knew this as well. The gospel requires um, that there's agreement in this, in this preaching that Paul and Barnabas had been doing for the last couple of years among the Gentiles. And it says they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So let's continue. Verse 3 says, So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. You know, when I was just a, a candidate to become a pastor, I was still in school and still studying, and I had a job at a church, and I was functioning and ministering, but I was not yet a pastor. I, I remember that, that I was told, this is by, a, by an experienced pastor, that the ministry of the pastor is, is much more than preaching. The pastor is to be a shepherd, and a shepherd keeps watch over his flock. The shepherd protects, and he leads, and he corrects, and he confronts, and he, and he chases away the wolves. And I like how it says that. The, the pastor, the shepherd, chases away the wolves. Paul and Barnabas showed their hearts as true shepherds, as true pastors. They decided that they needed to confront those who would dispute with them regarding these, these false doctrines, these false doctrines in the church that these Gentiles needed to be Jewish before they could become Christian. Now heading back to Jerusalem from the north up in Syria, they would pass through Phoenicia and Samaria. And the scripture says that Paul and Barnabas took the time to speak and describe to the believers in these areas how God had opened up the doors and they had had great success among the Gentiles. And the book of Acts says that this caused great joy to all of the brethren, all of the people in the church. And you know, this is really one of the hallmarks of evangelism, the people that are involved in evangelism. It causes great joy to know that others are, are coming to Christ and they believe, and as a result of believing in the gospel, that many are saved. Uh, they become part of the body of Christ, and this causes uh, rejoicing. Uh, people that are envious or skeptical or considered that some people are unfit for salvation, uh, they may be in the church and they may consider themselves saved, but let me tell you, they need to find that joy. They need to find that joy to understand that people are lost without Jesus and that the gospel is available to, to anyone, anyone that would believe. 
you know, they're very much, people that are like that, are very much like these Pharisees, that while they came to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, we're talking about these Judaizers, they, they came to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they want to hang on. They want to hang on to the idea that God's grace and mercy is reserved uh, for this exclusive club uh, called the Jews. Notice that Paul and Barnabas arrive in Jerusalem and they're received by, it says, the church, the apostles, and the elders. Three different groups. You know, this, this is probably 4950, 51 AD, somewhere around that time. We're not sure exactly when this was, but let's just say it's 50 AD. And the church, by over this, this time, since Jesus had ascended into heaven, has continued to grow. And, and at this point, not only are the apostles in charge, but the apostles found it necessary to appoint elders, appoint elders, the leaders uh, of the church. Now, there's actually two terms that are used in the Bible for this position of leadership. And one of the, one of the terms is presbyteral, presbyteral, where we get Presbyterian, for example, and episcopoi, episcopoi, where we get episcopal. Both of these terms, one comes from Judaism and one comes from the Greek language, refer to the same type of position, the position that could be translated in English as an elder or as a bishop. At the time, every city, at this time, every city with any significant Jewish population had a group of what was called 23 elders. It was called a Sanhedrin, uh, not to be confused with the great Sanhedrin that was in Jerusalem. The early church followed this practice, and for continuity purposes and for leadership purposes and to settle disputes, the early church appointed elders or bishops or leaders in each of these churches. Now, it appears that Paul and Barnabas make the report not just to the apostles and the elders, but to the church at large. Can you imagine a, a big assembly with Paul and Barnabas talking about their exploits and, and what they had done and how God had, had shown up and through signs and wonders had, had convinced many people that what Paul and Barnabas was saying uh, was the words of, of the law. And, but at the same time, we see that while they're talking about these, these, the success they've had among the Gentiles, uh, uh, there, are, there are people that rose up and said it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So this was a, this was a very, very, um, uh, I wouldn't say popular, but it was a very common teaching among these, these old Pharisees that were, became believers that they wanted the Gentiles, they wanted everybody to continue to keep the law of Moses beginning but not ending with circumcision. Now, however, the, the problem is, is that these, these people that were confronting Paul and Barnabas, uh, they, were, they were believers, they were members in good standing, um, but because they had been Pharisees, they're really coming to the table and they've got, they've got two problems that the Pharisees always had. And becoming a believer in Jesus Christ didn't necessarily take care of these two problems that these Pharisees had. One of the problems was that they believed that a person could be justified uh, by keeping the law. That's what the Pharisees always believed. They believed that if you kept the law perfectly, that you could be justified by God. And secondly, they believed that, quite frankly, they were better than others. 
they were better than the other Jews that didn't keep the law as perfectly as the Pharisees did. And of course, the Jewish people were better than any other group. You know, Jesus told a, a parable. I love teaching the parables. Jesus told a parable of two men that were in the temple. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. You probably remember the, Paris, the, the, the parable. The, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. Verse 13 says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, so herein lies the conflict. Paul is preaching that, that Jesus saves, that his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins is sufficient. Uh, now, what do we mean by sufficient? It means that it, it stands alone. It's all that's necessary. Um, things that are insufficient need something else in order to accommodate the task that they're assigned to do. These believers that were formerly Pharisees and their followers are often called Judaizers in the New Testament. They want Jesus' death on the cross to be added onto the law of Moses, and that means to be, and what it means to be a faithful Jew. Now, back in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas did not allow the pagans to simply add Jesus to their pagan festivals. Um, Jesus was not just another God among many. Uh, back in Acts chapter 14, verse 15, um, Paul and Barnabas say this, they say, turn from your worthless things, these idols, to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Turn away from what you have and embrace the real thing that is sufficient. You know, there's a saying by one of my favorite teachers, uh, John MacArthur, and, and uh, Pastor John MacArthur, and I think it's appropriate in this case. He says, everything less Jesus is nothing. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So this idea that Jesus is the one that's sufficient. You, can, you can't add Jesus to anything and get anything more than what Jesus already provides. Now, Paul was a, a former Pharisee. You know, so Paul understands where these Pharisees are coming from. He understands, uh, understands his opponents. However, he would go on to write this. He would write, said, he would say, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have who have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. And then he says, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That's his letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, verse 16. You know, it's also clear that circumcision was not the only thing that these Judaizers required. The Gentiles would also have to live according to the law of Moses. And Jesus said about this requirement that the Pharisees didn't even practice what they preached. Jesus said they tie up heavy burdensome loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves, meaning the Pharisees, are not willing to lift a finger to move them. That's out of Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. So let's continue, and we'll see that this dispute will be settled by what's called the Jerusalem Council, the first recorded council of the church. Reading again 
uh, beginning at verse 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brothers, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by, the, by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Now, what we see is a smaller group is now assembled, consisting primarily of the apostles, the elders, and of course, Paul and Barnabas and some spokesperson from probably both opposing sides. Peter speaks, and you know, that seems appropriate, doesn't it? We all know Peter the Apostle. Peter is the one that, that walked on water, even if only briefly. Uh, we last saw Peter a few chapters ago, but Peter is widely acknowledged as one of the primary leaders of the church. And it was Peter and the brothers James and John, who Jesus nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, uh, that were the inner circle uh, with Jesus. So Peter begins with a, with a history lesson, uh, recounting the work God had already done. Notice that he uses the same reference that I used earlier. Peter said, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? That's exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do. They basically had burdens on the people. And the Pharisees weren't able to live up to their own, their own preaching. And this is basically the same reference that I this is the same reference that I had earlier in Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. Peter said, make no distinction between us and them. Again, Peter is referring back to the vision that he had of the sheep coming down from heaven and all of, the, all of the unclean animals on it. This is when he's meeting with Cornelius, you know, Cornelius who was a Gentile. And the Holy Spirit showed up while Peter was still speaking and fell on Cornelius and his entire family and all of the people that were gathered. And it was very obvious to Peter that God had approved of Cornelius. And, and Peter went and baptized Cornelius and his family. Peter concludes by reminding all that is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. Now, before we conclude for today, I want to pick up what Paul had to say about Peter's support in this Jerusalem council. And as because Peter actually writes about this event in, in his letter to, his epistle to the Galatians, chapter 2. And this and this, this writing by Paul in chapter 2 of, of the Galatians um, has more information on these proceedings and some of the conversations that went on. This is what Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 2. He says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the, the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of 
false brothers secretly who had brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism to any man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel to the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So we find out from Paul's letter here to the Galatians that in addition to Paul and Barnabas, Titus was also with them. Now Titus is one of the young men who will eventually accompany the Apostle Paul on future missionary journeys. Uh, Titus was a Greek, a Gentile, and Paul tells us that he was a believer. He will actually become one of the bishops of the early church, and he is uncircumcised. Now, Paul speaks to this very trip that he made to Jerusalem. He said it was 14 years after placing the time, that, after 14 years, placing the time period again, exactly what we said, somewhere around AD 49 or AD 50. Paul speaks of his unwavering commitment to the gospel that he had received from the Lord by revelation. Paul also identifies the purpose, and see this is the thing, he doesn't say there's anything, we don't see this in the book of Acts, but Paul clearly identifies that these Judaizers that had confronted him and had basically said that these Gentiles needed to be circumcised, um, Paul said that they were trying to bring the Gentiles, bring you, the Galatians, into bondage. It's, now remember, these, these, these Gentiles that Paul is reading to in Galatia, that's the same territory that Paul was ministering in in his first um, missionary uh, journey. Uh, Lystra, Derbe, um, Antioch, Pisidia are all in what's known as the region of Galatia. Now even if these men um, had the best of intentions, we're talking about these Judaizers, they were still dangerous as they were damaging the pure gospel, and Paul knew he had to confront them. We also see in Paul's letter to the Galatians that the decision was made, and that Paul was commended for his efforts. Uh, the gospel went forth. And there is an interesting comment, a note of intentional, what I call specialization, that Paul would be working with the Gentiles, just as Peter and actually the rest of the apostles we're going to be working with the Jews. Now this is best understood as a specialization, not a division. And we'll end today with this encouragement. It's true that Peter would be called the apostle to the Jews and Paul would be the apostle to the Gentiles. And it's best to understand that this is specialization rather than separation. You know, it's all too often our churches and our ministries are, are called 
to specialize uh, to a specific language or an ethnic group, perhaps to the inner city or as a missionary effort. Now, this doesn't actually divide the church, but it grows the church through intentional specialization. You know, people take a look at all of the denominations and the groupings of Christians, and they often think that it shows fractures. Where actually, it isn't a fracture. You can think of it as a, a feature. I, I thank God for the different Christian churches that minister to their people in their own specific way, with their own specific ways of worship. You know, some uses guitars and drums, and some use only organs and pianos. Uh, some um, include women in leadership, and some will not have any women in leadership. Uh, some have very specific liturgies uh, that the people to know and then embrace, and others are quite informal. Uh, they don't have any they just, they're pretty casual about the way that they, they gather together and they, they preach the word and they worship. Now, well, while they are differences, we're also all part of the same body of Christ. And this is what I want to leave you with today. I want to encourage you that when you see all of these, these differences, realize that it's actually specialization. That there is one body of Christ with Jesus Christ as the, as the head of the church. And we actually have much more that unites us than that which divides us. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this beginning of this chapter 15. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.